We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 173 On this episode, we've got some news We'll be talking about recent episodes of Grimm, The Walking Dead, The Following NCIS Los Angeles and Arrow And then have a couple of TV on DVD picks you can find the full show notes with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 173. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Carla Day from tvdiehard.com. And Megan from tvismypacifier.com. All right, thank you both for joining me this week. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And uh, we'll just jump right into the news. Uh, got a few items here. The first being C- CBS has renewed uh, CSI crime scene investigation for a 14th season. Uh, and uh, either of you watch CSI or did at any point in time? Yes. And I still watch. I used to. Yeah, I still watch occasionally. Like, uh, But it, it tends to be one that falls off uh, the list relatively quickly. Uh, even though I like the changes, I think Ted Danson as the head of the of of the the crime lab has worked out pretty well. Yeah, I agree. He's uh, I was a little nervous at first, but he's done pretty well. I mean, I it's one of those shows that I tend to keep on my uh, DVR for a night when I don't have anything else left to watch. <laughs> catch up on and a couple I- episodes. Yeah, I catch up on a couple in a row, or if I have, like, some of my, like, my niece is over and she's, like, 14, she loves that show, so it's something that we watch together, but other than that, um, I usually watch CSI New York more, but I'm still happy it's renewed. There's a lot of people that are happy, so. Yeah, and, you know, with that, Ted Danson is, will be back with it, too, so. Uh, Next up, uh, NBC is uh, planning on moving Smash to Saturdays. Uh, as of April 6th, uh, which I never watched past the pilot because by the time I went to catch up, everybody was saying how terrible it was. So I figured what what was the point. Uh, but while they're saying it's not officially canceled, it's pretty much canceled. I'm so sad. I like Smash. I liked the first season and I liked the second season even more. Um, I, really I, reviewed it, I reviewed a TV fanatic and there's a lot of people that comment on my posts and seem to like it. So, I mean, the ratings aren't there, so I understand why they're doing it. And I do have to say I'm happy that NBC is at least going to air all the episodes. So um, even though it's on Saturday, um, you know, in a way it's kind of nice because Tuesdays were getting really crowded anyways. But I'm sad. Yeah, well, I wish they would actually do this type of stuff for shows that are either like this likely to be out or replaying episodes of stuff from the week so that Saturday had either new or sort of new content, you know, at least there was, you know, something there. I mean, although a uh, law and order SVU rerun probably still does better ratings you know, on a Saturday night than smash will do in originals. I'm sad. I really actually like smash and seeing as I've kind of fallen out of love with my other musical show recently I was kind of happy that the second season seemed to be getting better in my opinion 
and like Carla said, there does seem to be a lot of people who are watching. Unfortunately, the ratings don't like show that. So, and wherever they are watching it, they're not watching it on NBC at at. Well, yeah, is it on ten o'clock on Tuesdays? Or they're not Nielsen families, at least. (laughs) Well, that's it too. I mean, I'm. I know that there was talk by one of um one of our Canadian networks that we it does really well up here. So I was hopeful that maybe it would stay on Tuesdays up here, but it doesn't look like it's going to. And I mean, I wish that they could keep it up on Saturdays, like and just continue the series because there is nothing to watch on Saturdays. And yes, I do catch up on DVR, but still, still sad. That was sad news for me. I miss the days of the Pretender and Profiler on Saturday nights. Yeah, CBS and NBC used to to schedule stuff on. You know stuff like the agency and and uh, the district and all kinds of stuff used to play on Saturday nights, even you know, even just a decade ago. Not you know, not talking like twenty, mm-hmm. thirty, forty years ago or something. <laughs> when I mean, because back then all the hit shows were on Saturday nights. The highest rated shows played on Saturday night. It just shows yeah. how how much things have have changed. Uh, next on the list. Uh, HBO has canceled uh, Enlightened uh, after two seasons. Uh, either of you watch Enlightened? I was planning nope. on catching up on it because I heard it was so great, but now I'm not sure if I will. I'll probably get it on DVD, but I just never, it never fit into the schedule. There's so much on, and sometimes I feel like if I add one more show on my, like on my DVR, it's probably going to explode. So I just kind of avoided it altogether. Yeah, I watched the first couple episodes. It didn't really, I mean, it was all right. It it just didn't really hook me. So, and like you know, Megan was just saying, there's so much on these days, and there's so many different channels that have stuff that it's there's got to be some something that really hooks me to get to add something new to the already pretty long list of stuff that I'm watching. Uh, next up, uh, Sci-Fi has renewed Face Off for a fifth season. I actually uh, watched a couple episodes of this one <laughs> in the last couple of days, and uh, I'm not big on the reality shows and stuff like that, but these are the type of shows in the sort of reality game show genre that actually kind of interest me because they actually have to do something. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's an actual competition and what they're competing to do, and the projects that they're completing are all really cool. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean... I don't watch a whole lot of reality television. I watch some shows that I'm even embarrassed to admit, but as far as like Face Off goes, I really like the competitions and it's one of those shows again that ends up built up on my DVR, but I um I like to watch them and it's good at late night if I'm if I'm up and kids aren't sleeping. I like to burn through episodes of that and at least they do like you said have something to do and they're not we're not just watching their daily lives. All right, and uh, lastly, uh, TV Land has renewed Hot in Cleveland for a fifth season, which uh, it's their it was their first foray into uh, you know scripted comedy, new comedies, and uh, it's going to be around for a fifth season. So that's lasted for uh, quite some time. Uh, the the power of Betty White. Yeah, I mean, it's it is a funny show, and I watch pretty much anything that. Betty White's in for the most part, but I'm not really surprised that it's renewed for a fifth season. It's good news overall, and uh, 
I think people are going to be happy. I've only seen one episode. It was funny, but I just there's too much on. Yeah, I always I always kind of forget that like that TV Land even has you know (laughs) they have because they have other comedies or you know and they've tried other comedies as well along the way over the last five years and you kind of I kind of almost forget sometimes that they're even they're even there yeah I just I came upon it one day I was flipping channels or something and I watched a few episodes and but then like you said I just kind of forgot it was around although I do like TV Land's sort of I mean for the uh, you know their market. There, a lot of what they play is you know old, old sitcoms and stuff like that. And so, the idea of bringing on new sitcoms, you were like, wait, but you're all about playing vintage, you know, TV shows and stuff like that. But building them around people that you remember from those vintage TV shows, I think, is a really good, like, sort of branding idea to put new content, but fit it well with the rest of the stuff they do on their network it was a really good idea and they they obviously did well like actually up here it it airs on three different canadian networks so um it's not just on tv land up here (laughs) apparently canadians like it so (laughs) uh canadians are hot hot in cleveland (laughs) most definitely All right, uh, and that'll do it for the news, and we'll jump over to uh, prime time. And first up on the list is Grimm, uh, Season 2, Episode 14, uh, Natural Born Wesson, which was a pretty good episode because it it delved into sort of another side a little bit more about, you know, the these different creatures and stuff like that and some of the rules and laws that they live by. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this season as they've both for uh, from the grim side and then from the other side that they've really been while still keeping the case of the week they've been doing a good job of expanding uh, the story around and giving you the and filling in more and more background much better than they did in season one what do you think about it Carla I liked it I, I do like that this season has really delved it into like the mythology of the world especially going into the second half so far i mean we have the love potion stuff which i thought came to an interesting kind of resolution i mean it's still not completely you're still done, not with, but, yeah, you're still not sure what's happening with juliet <laughs> but um was that the episode where she where there was the big hole yeah. Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting I watched both of them at the same time. So, um, you know, at first I was kind of like what the heck is going on, but then I realized, you know, that um by the end that that was kind of I think supposed to symbolize her getting her memory back. And it wasn't really all that clear, so that that was kind of an awkward part of that episode, but the outside part, especially with like the council and um uh Rosalie having kind of you know, at first she thought she was just kind of the shopkeeper, but they're really developing her character in a way that I'm appreciating. Um, she's actually one of the highlights of the show, I think. Rosalie, yeah, the shopkeeper. Yeah, and that that shop has been you're, you're finding out more and more about how you know it's been in her family, but they've sort of been the in that area. They're the place where people go to complain about stuff or or uh, when things are uh, going you know going badly or. Or, or when they need a, a fix for something or 
So yeah, it's been. I think it's been really good all the way around with all that stuff. They keep, you know, adding uh, in more and more. Uh, but yet, if you wanted to just watch an episode, you could still watch an episode because you still get some completion to a storyline every episode. Yeah. What do you think, Megan? Um, I really liked this this episode overall. Um, this season to begin with, I really liked that they wrapped up the whole like Renard and Juliet storyline fairly quickly. Um, I mean, yeah, it's still going on, but at least it's coming to a head quicker than I was expecting it. I thought they were going to drag it on all season long. And the only thing is I'm kind of getting tired of Juliet always being like the damsel in distress and there's always something wrong with her. Um, I was a little confused with the whole gaping hole in the floor. Then it realized that she was like seriously tripping out on the potion, which was a little odd, but I liked this episode overall because it did like, as we said, looked into some of the mythology of the groups of like the Wesson and stuff. But, um, I don't know. I'm really curious to see where they're going to go. Like, is Nick really going to ever really forgive the captain? Like, can you forgive him for that? I mean, it really wasn't his fault, but I don't know. I'm interested to see how they make it a working relationship. Well, it is sort of an interesting thing because while there was, there ended up being like this romantic aspect to it that wasn't really his fault. She also would have died. Like (laughs) had he not done what he did. So there's this weird, there's this, you know, sort of weird thing around, around that, that you really shouldn't be. (laughs) Well, he should, he should totally forgive him. But I mean, at the same time, he's a man and he's jealous. And I mean, his boss was totally macking on his girlfriend. (laughs) So I mean, can he get over that fact to remember that, yes, she would have died if he did kiss her and save, save her life and, you know, totally steal his fiance. But I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they can work it out. I'm sure they can. Well, and at least they didn't like consummate the relationship. They both realized, even though the potion, um, the original potion, kind of the love spell pushed them together. They had enough of their wits, both of them to, prevent it from going too far. I mean, it would have eventually, you know, gotten a lot deeper and it, they said even that it would be so passionate that they would end up killing each other. But in that respect, I think, you know, um, they they should be able to move forward. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm loving the fact that they kind of both know now. So it provides like a whole new dynamic relationship on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to find out more about, you know, sort of the Royals and while, you know, Captain Renard is sort of the, he's the, the, what the, you know, he's the half breed, uh, you know, sort of, of the, of the Royal family. And he doesn't really, you know, up until recently, you weren't really sure. Like you knew he was sort of against his family, but you didn't know really what his, uh, thing was, and I'm now wondering, you know, how much, when are we going to find out really more about, like, why has he been protecting, uh, you know, him and in in some situations, and what dangers does he know about his family, and what is his sort of agenda uh, in all this? Uh, I hope that's what we get as we close out the, you know, the rest of uh, season two here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the next show on our list is uh, The Walking Dead, uh, Season 3, Episode 14, uh, Prey. 
So who wants to jump in on uh, The Walking Dead? So far this season, the number one thing that I've really liked is a lot of the like the camera work overall. Um, I found that it's almost taken on like uh, like a suspense thriller, like a Hitchcock feel to it with some of the shooting of the scenes. I'm really happy that this week that Andrea finally seems to like realize that the governor is all evil. It just seems taken seemed to take Way her too awful long. Of, <laughs> like it, you think that she's a little slow on the uptake. Like I was expecting her to most of the characters to clue in, but I mean, I'm glad she's there and I'm glad that it's figured out. I just, I don't like her overall. So, I mean, whether the, the walkers eat her or whatever, I could care less. I just kind of want the rest of the story to move on. If that makes sense. I just don't like her, her character at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm like one of the only people that likes Andrea. I wrote a whole, um, I wrote an op-ed on Andrea about, you know, is the Andrea hate justified? And I don't really think that it has been. Um, And what's happened this season, I mean, some people mentioned some things she did last season, but even though, you know, she did some weird things last season, people didn't hate her like they hate her now. It's almost like Lori died, so now they need someone else to hate. Um, But I liked the episode. I liked... I was on the edge of my seat most of the episode, you know, kind of because anyone can die at any time. Um, And whether or not the governor or Andrea will die this season like during that episode it could have happened and so that really you know in a lot of shows if they do that kind of chase type situation you know that nothing's gonna happen um so i really found that interesting and it was also you know um we didn't get to really see the prison at all so it was kind of a closed episode in that regard with woodbury that i liked and um Everyone was playing games with each other, so it wasn't just, you know, uh, Milton and the governor now are kind of at odds as well. And then you have Tyrese um, and Sasha kind of keeping secrets, but at the same time, like, I thought the governor could have would have just pulled his pistol out and shot both of them at points in the episode. Uh, you know, no one ended up really dying, so that was kind of su- actually a surprise. But going forward... Um, you know, a question I have for you guys is I and I haven't seen it written about much about the episode, but at the end, I was pretty convinced that the governor had been bit by one of the walkers by the way he was kind of walking and holding his side. But no one's really been talking about that. So I wasn't sure if you got that impression or if that was just something that you didn't notice. Because that would create a really interesting dynamic if, if he has been bit. No, hmm. I didn't really. I didn't. I didn't really. Nothing. Not, that never really uh, came to mind for me. I never. I didn't really see anything that would have made me think that. Uh, the the thing I liked about the episode was sort of it was, uh, it was kind of a, a return to form for Andrea. You know, like her, you know, getting away. Her, you know, opening the door there that let a bunch of zombies in. And, that was awesome to, to, to get away. And, you know, that was, uh, that all reminded me of, you know, sort of the Andrea that we had progressed to by the end of, you know, last season. And I think some of the hate for Andrea comes from that the way the story went along, it made it seem like she knew 
or had come to uh, find out more information than she, it turns out. I guess she actually had. Like when they when the governor and Rick meet, you know, she hears she hears some things that apparently she didn't know before. But you were you're pretty sure that you know that like when she had gone to the prison that she had probably been told all this stuff and you you're kind of surprised that that was information that they sort of left out <laughs> like how did they not tell her about the, about that yeah, guy yeah they did not you know, tell her you know it, it i mean you you knew that they you didn't see you know scenes where you know she got the download but she was there for a while and you figured by the time she was leaving that she had the full picture especially when she was being told, you know, why don't you, you know, take him to bed and then just, you know, cut, you know, kill him right there. You know, the guy needs to die. And mm-hmm. and the idea that she even thought about it but then didn't do it, it made it seem like she had, you know, even there had more more information. But then she finds out what the governor had done to, uh, you know, her friends when he had them hostage. And you're like, wait, she didn't know that how did they not tell her that when she was at the prison how did that and so then you look back and think some of the things uh some of the places that you thought about you know what is she doing i guess you could see that her being a little more conflicted because she didn't necessarily i guess have all the information but it sure seemed like she did or should have that's the thing is they made it seem like she should have known what was going on and then I don't know. Perhaps she'll be the greatest redemption in TV history, but I still have no love for the character whatsoever. I mean, I still think she kind of had enough information that some of the things that she did, you're just like, really? But yeah, the way this, the way it was written, that she continues to find out stuff, even, you know, to a couple episodes ago that finally pushes her over, uh, you know, completely into being like, I can't, you know, this is... (laughs) That that thing that I was holding out that this all wasn't true. He's this guy's really a psycho, you know. <laughs> that uh, that I've been with. So yeah, it, it made for a, a you know sort of a fun you know kind of self-contained uh, episode. Uh, it's it sets a lot of interesting things up. Uh, like you know when he comes back, he brings her back, and he doesn't tell anybody. Uh, that he that he found her, you know. Of course, he would keep it from Milton because Milton he finds out hasn't exactly been, you know, totally forthright with him. But he, you know, he keeps it from his second in command, uh, you know, when he comes back. And so this guy is, <laughs> this guy is completely messed up. Well, how awesome was it that the zombies all got burned to death? I mean, and that was Milton who did it, right? I mean. I think you're supposed to think that the way that last scene goes down, but yet they played it in such a way that you're apparently not supposed to know who it is. But you're just like, how hard would it be to find out who drove a truck out of the <laughs> out of the compound? I mean, it's not like there's a secret uh, way place that you can drive out from or anything. <laughs> True. <laughs> So I, I'm I'm a, it was sort of a weird scene in that they kept it, you know, sort of hidden. Uh, but you, but you hadn't, but I don't recall seeing that black, you know, a black vehicle like that before from, 
in any of the the scenes from Woodbury or the, you know the prison. So that it's it's sort of a a weird little thing there to add, I guess, extra some little bit of extra like it needs a little extra intrigue going into the last two episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing how they uh, how how they end this season. If you had to pick somebody that you think's gonna die, who do you think will it be? I don't the know. The governor make it out of the season alive? Yeah, I, I just you know I don't know. It's, I'm thinking not, but I, I mean I think you know that probably not. But yet sometimes series get fall in love with certain characters even past because they like the actor or something or whatever, and so they try like and, Klaus on Vampire Diaries. So they try and figure out a way to keep them around for for a while or something so I don't know and I don't really know anything about you know the comic book story and I know that they're not you know following it the same but they are they are still as an outline of like you can sort of follow it as sort of an outline of you know they've hit the same places that that the story has you know with the the farm and and now the prison and stuff these are all settings from the you know from the comic so but yet they have devi- you know they do deviate storyline people haven't died at the same time or other characters have become uh, more important that n- weren't necessarily even in the the comics so there's really no telling which is something i kind of like about is <laughs> one of the things i like about the show is you're not really sure who's going to die i mean like you said carla there was a i figured that it wasn't likely that this was going to be the way that like the governor would go out. I figured he was going to somehow make it through, you know, even once he was surrounded by all these zombies. But there was a period of time where you thought this could be the way Andrea ends up going out. Right. Yeah. And so that sort of idea of where when you're watching things happen and you're not you're not quite sure where things are going is one of the things I like about the show. Uh, speaking of things of a show with uh, not knowing where things are going, uh, next <laughs> up is uh, the following. The last episode that aired was season one, episode nine, Love Hurts. So I'm wondering, uh, Carla, what do you think about the show now that it's, it's really expanded out that you see how large his sort of cult following is? That show is so freaky. Um, I'm glad he's out of jail, out of prison. Um, I was kind of wondering how the the show kind of needed to change up and they changed up at exactly the right time. And by having him out now, um, you know, it adds to the complexity and with this following that he has, that seems endless. um, You know, there was a point where it seemed like anyone could be a follower. And I'm glad that now for a few episodes, at least they've kind of dialed that in with no, huge surprises that someone unexpected is a follower um because if anyone can be a follower would and then it kind of loses um some of the credibility of the show um you know like for instance when mike was revealed that he definitely wasn't i mean i always i never thought he was but some people did that was kind of a relief yeah um but um you know i i like that they're kind of dialing in with you know followers having their chapters of the books it's kind of grounded the series a little bit and provided kind of an episodic um 
theme for each episode. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I love the show. I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat every time I watch it. You know, you never know what's going to happen. It's not predictable. And, you know, as, as messed up as the FBI investigation has been, when you look through these last, I think we're in episode 10 now, um, episode, um, this was episode was it episode nine? This is episode nine. Um, episode ten is next week. Yeah. So through the first nine episodes, even though the FBI really has they're behind Joe Carroll and his followers throughout the whole season, really when you look at it, they've done a pretty good job. I mean, how many how many of the followers have they captured or killed? Um, and then captured and the, they've killed themselves. But I mean, they are kind of reining in the group. So it'll be interesting to me. That to see the first follower that breaks ranks and who that will be, because I, I really think that that'll happen at some point. And um, it'll, I, if I had to guess, it'll either be Emma or Jacob would be my guess, one of the two of them. Um, but right now, actually, Jacob, I think, is the most intriguing character of the whole show, um, especially in this episode. We kind of got to see that his mother loved him. He seemed, you know, that he had a decent upbringing. There's probably some issues with, with his, his father. With his he never killed anyone. <laughs> He never killed anyone, so why did he feel this need to join the group? And what kept him in the group? And, you know, what's going to happen with that going forward, I think, is really an interesting um, character um, examination. So, um, and then, you know, of course, he killed Paul, but even that was more of a assisted suicide than it was, like, an outright murder. I mean, he did it out of his love for Paul. So, you know, I don't know. I really liked the episode. It was good. And I'm really interested to see what happens with Jacob. And the the, the thing with Claire is kind of like, okay, I hope that that ends this next uh, Monday, one way or the other, that Claire is no longer kind of the target or focus. But they've been done a pretty good job of moving storyline along. So I, I'm pretty sure that'll probably, it was like a three-story arc and I'll move on. How about you, Megan? I love this show. I mean, I've loved it since the pilot. Kevin Bacon is actually doing an amazing job. I was a little bit nervous at first to see how he'd cross over to television, but I love his character. This show is one of those the few shows that I'm still regularly surprised at, and it is incredibly creepy at times. Like, the whole Emma, Jacob, Paul thing was incredibly odd to see on like network television. Um, I think that they're really pushing a lot of boundaries each week for network television. And the thing is too, is like the whole Jacob thing, it's really confusing to me. Everybody else seems to have like this incredible, you know, they've come from a bad home or a bad marriage and they, they all have these stories of what made them be as twisted as they are. But like we said, like, his mom really loved him and obviously you can tell by how he spoke of his father that there's some issues there but are those issues so great that it's making him want to become a murderer like the rest of them and i mean i guess you could call it assisted suicide but i mean he smothered him it's he killed him so it's still i get it out of his love and everything so now he's one of the group but there was some pure anger and hatred in his eyes when they shot him at the end and i think emma's in for like her little world's going to start crumbling because she's been playing far too many people. Do I think that she's going to go against the plan? She'd probably be the most likely because she seems to have an agenda of her own all the time. 
and I do agree that I would really like to see the whole Claire story come to some sort of like let's not make it all about her every episode because in no matter what episode it's been there's always been a big part that's been played like you know he's after Claire and I get that it's the love of his life and every great poet and story writer always had that one love that they were obsessed with but I think that she needs to be moved a little bit further into the background although the last episode where they were just killing random women named Claire Matthews that was a little freaky in itself and the whole spear gun through the the restaurant thing that was awesome that was I didn't see I mean how often is how how often is do you, somebody kill somebody with like a spear gun under the table like that was yeah what are that, you doing now I'm I'm it's a, a spear gun used for <laughs> what are you doing with it oh I'm testing I'm gonna use it and then he shoots her yeah I was totally not expecting that yeah they didn't uh yeah they don't really shy away from those <laughs> sort of weird uh way they they end up like uh, you know killing people and stuff um so far in the series the only there's only been like a couple of things like uh when they were when they found the the farmhouse uh i i knew pretty much all along that the young female cop was going to be one of you just just based on everything that had happened in the series so far you you were like okay well if there's going to be one in this episode it's going to be her and and oh, see, so, I didn't see that coming at all. And so I'm glad that they've gone to where there isn't always somebody popping up, or if there is somebody that they're dealing with, it's because they're being coerced, like the the guy that ran the prison. And so in in this last couple of episodes uh, that they were, you know, searching for the, these Claire Matthews and stuff, it made it a, a different uh, episode where you weren't. Uh, there wasn't any situation where you were like, okay, now they've met a new group of people who, who in this group of people has been inserted already as as a follower. And I think it becomes harder and harder to do that because, because like you said, the FBI has actually had some sort of wins. Uh, you know, they've stopped some things. They've made things not go exactly as the original plan was. And so down the line, it's harder to say that you would have this planned out so far in advance that when they got in, <laughs> now that they're in this situation, that you would have somebody already inserted. It made sense at the farmhouse because that was early on in the plan that you would had, you know, since you had already implanted, you know, people to live next door to somebody and somebody to take care of your kid as a nanny, you know, years in advance that a cop uh, in the area where you were going to be using a, you know, a farmhouse as part of your early on in your plan, that all, that stuff all makes, you know, that all makes sense, but that starts to make less sense as you get farther and farther uh, into things. And not everything is working out the way it's supposed to have in, in that original plan. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to, that you're not always, they're not always putting it, but yet the way that they've set it up is every time they go to a new place, and they, you know, even if they meet cops or other <laughs> other agents or something, uh, some group someplace, you're always going to be wondering, okay, which one of these is going to be, which I think can be a detriment long term because mm-hmm. it could get old that, okay, there's another. But yet it still is, it's still, right now it still does lend to that freakiness that you're not quite sure 
who's what and and how because how you find these people because you know they've had uh people where you know like they thought the husband and wife it turns out you know the wife was the super crazy one uh and ends up killing one of the agents you know they haven't been able to you know they can't really spot these people you know ahead of time and they've their identities have been changed or or a lot of stuff has been done to make them uh you know hard to detect where they even you know believe them as they were the one in trouble uh hmm. when they're really the one <laughs> that's that's causing uh the trouble so i think you know the farther it goes though that starts to become less creepy and more just okay they've done it again type of thing but i'm super interested to to keep following the show it's it's been really good so far and the only other thing was when uh carol escaped and you know they they found him but yet he gets away and but he leaves you know his his sort of nemesis alive uh it kind of makes sense but yet it kind of doesn't make sense uh it kind of makes sense is that he would you know he thinks he's so brilliant that he wants to leave this other person you know, to see this plan that he has. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. but yet on the other hand, he's been a giant pain in the ass <laughs> all along <laughs> and, and has even caught him. So uh, I don't know that that was, I don't know. I guess if you were going to do it, you had to do it, you know, early on, you couldn't do it later on. You'd have to do it earlier where not much of his plan has been, has come out yet. So, well, I think the thing is that Carol is so egotistical, and he really does believe that he is, like, genius. So I almost think that part of it, too, is that he's torturing Ryan. He wants him to stay alive to see the number of people that are dying at his hands. And he wants to Ryan to be alive to see him either reunite with Claire or kill Claire. Because, I mean, everybody knows that every romantic poet who's ever had like slightly twisted craziness issues wants to, you know, kill the, the love of his life. Cause if he can't have him, nobody can. So obviously he kind of wants to keep Ryan alive so that he can see Claire die and see what I think eventually Joey, I think that they, he wants to raise Joey to be um, a killer just like him. But my question is, does anybody think that like agent Parker seems a little bit on the fence, like almost like she could be swayed to be part of the following. I think they want us to think that. Yeah. Just because, you know, she had a, a, a cult background. I don't know. That's the thing is that they, they get you where there's the possibility, but then, I mean, there is that in her background, but where along the line would have, you know, she had left it and, and not in a way that would leave her, I don't know, necessarily open to another guy that was like the guy that she was getting away from. So, I mean, I don't really, that one doesn't really make sense to me. I just find her a little bit too sympathetic. Also that she's in the FBI and that high in the FBI that uh, the plan would have have started really early on or something later in life would have had to have changed her that she became susceptible after she was already in the FBI. There's just too many things in it for her from her position where she is that don't make sense for her to to somehow be uh, a follower. Do you want to hear a really crazy theory? 
Is this like your? Is this like the mentalist? Uh, the mentalist theory. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> no, this is one. This is one that was on a comment of my. Um, I um, I review this for Buddy TV, and someone left this comment on the review, and it was something I never even considered. But that Claire is actually a follower, and that she and Joe are in this all together. And it was just so out there that I never even thought about it that it made me actually wonder if that could actually possibly be true. I don't think it is just because the whole um, taking Joey thing and also with her trying to escape from Charlie. I don't don't think if she was part of it, she wouldn't have escaped from Charlie. But it just shows how, in a lot of ways, how brilliant (laughs) this show is that people can think that somebody, that really anyone could be, you know, taken in by Joe. Yeah, that would be another one that doesn't really make sense because then why would she have been trying to escape from the guy that was from Charlie? Yeah, you know that that was uh, uh, you know working with Joe and and she's you know and the the way the scenes play out, she she seems pretty freaked that the guy had been in her house, you know, <laughs> taking video of her while she was sleeping and and all kinds of stuff, and so before that episode. There's there's the possibility after that episode, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's possible that she didn't know that Joe had assigned Charlie to her. That, I mean, that's a possibility, but I mean, there's always a possibility. She fell in love with Joe once. So is there a possibility that she would be, you know, somehow twisted back into his world? I guess there is a small possibility, but he took her son and she does seem genuinely distraught over her son and I mean I do think that there is some real feelings between her and Ryan so I mean I'd be I mean I'd be upset if that happened because well there'd be too many I think there'd be too many inconsistencies with things that have gone on that you would just be like she'd have to be like the best actress ever playing (laughs) she'd have to be multiple personalities to the the end and for like what reasoning did they have a reason of why they thought that like what the what her end game would be like why she would be yeah that's a pretty uh that's a pretty crazy uh yeah but it's fun to think about right well that's the thing with this show is they have is they the in the way that they've set it up is it does have you thinking all these different things uh but they need to figure out a way to rein it in a little bit cuz in the long term that'll become it's interesting now, but it'll become sort of boring later. Well, yeah, if, if a couple seasons, if it lasts a couple seasons, which I, I believe it will, but if, if a couple seasons down the road we're still trying to go like, well, I wonder if this person is part of the following. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get old eventually, but right now, because the show is still so new and it is doing such a fantastic job of keeping the audience's attention. I mean, right now it's still fun, but eventually it will run its course. Yeah, well, they show you the you know the sort of like faraway group shots and sort of people in the background at the at the the cult compound and stuff like that, so that you get a feeling that there's a lot of people, but they never really show you any of them, so that they can pretty much insert actor here whenever they want to give somebody in the cult an actual you know storyline. But you also look and you go, there's that many people there, they can't be. You know, how many other ones does he have already inserted in places, you know, that are away from, you know, that aren't hanging out there, you know, at the at the compound? Yeah. 
which is the nicest cult compound I've ever seen on a television show ever. Just just putting that out there. I mean, Giant mansion. <laughs> Don't you want to move in? Yeah, I, I mean, if it wasn't like being run by like insane serial killer, totally, I would want to live there. But it looks like there's a looks like there's a fun party every night with you know. <laughs> They were drinking martinis and cocktails. I mean, I guess I suppose if you're going to join a cult, that's not a bad one. It's not like you have to shave your head and drink some poison to end the world, but still well, just you, kill someone. You just have to kill somebody to get in yeah. and and then basically become expendable. <laughs> I mean, that was a good, you know, when uh, he tells Joe, well, you know, sorry about, you know, you know, your dead followers. And he's like, oh, I've got more. You know, <laughs> He, he has. He doesn't care about any of these people in the least. Well, in the meantime, they get martinis. So yeah. you know, <laughs> yes, in the grand scheme of things, it all balances out. All right. The next show on the list is uh, NCIS Los Angeles, uh, season four, episode eighteen, Red, part one. Uh, so, uh, what do you, Megan? What do you think of this possible spinoff team? And the 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 idea that there could be a third NCIS show. I'm um, probably not one of the popular opinions among critics, but I love NCIS. Um, I love NCIS L- LA way more than I do the original. So meeting the red team this episode, I actually really enjoyed it. I love Kim Raver, and I like Scott Grimes. So overall... I'm happy about it, and I like the idea that this is a team that lives where there isn't a Navy base, and they're pretty much, you know, they live in a mobile unit, they live together, they see each other all the time, and we get to actually go home with them. It's not like the other teams where, you know, we see them like Sam and... For the most part, they leave at the end of the day, and you don't... You don't know what's ha- you don't know where they're going. Like I mean, now we know that Sam has a wife and everything like that, but you don't know where Callan goes. You don't know what he does, and you don't see Kenzie or Deeks or anybody in the like in their off time for the most part. So the fact that we're going to get to see these people's lives and the um, John Corbett's character when he came in, I mean, there's a big backstory there, and it's interesting that you know Hetty had a big part in their life before. I'm interested. I think it's going to be a good spinoff. If anything, I think what's going to eventually happen is the original is going to burn out and we're going to be left with the Los Angeles and the Red because both of those storylines seem a little bit fresher than the original. Not to say that I don't still enjoy the original time to time, but I'll miss you know, NCIS if I have to. But I don't like to miss NCIS Los Angeles and I have a feeling that as long as they keep up the good team dynamics that they portrayed in this episode that I'm actually going to be really interested in the, the spinoff. I'd actually be interested to find out if, if they actually do spin it off, will they put it on Tuesday night and just be NCIS wall to wall and see if they, cause nothing else really over the last few seasons has been able to stick around uh, in that, that last uh, time period. I think it would work, honestly. Like, I mean, I know that people, I've heard a lot of people so far on Twitter saying things like, it's too much NCIS and people are going to get bored of it. Well, look how long that the three CISs ran. I mean, CIS, CIS, CIS. CSIs? Thank you. <laughs> Seeing as I can't speak today. They, I mean, the New York one and the original have stuck around longer than Miami. 
but I think that's more to do with how cheesy Miami was compared to the other two. Um, I do think that having the three NCIS on the same day would actually do really well for CBS. And a lot of people like the procedural dramas, and I'm I'm one of those people. I like the fact that usually you can sit down, watch the show, there's a case, it's wrapped up, and, you know, and there is some character growth here and there. But overall, it's an hour of TV where you, it's almost like a movie in an hour. You get to see the crime, the way they solve it, and then it's done. We move on. I like it, and I'm I'm hopeful that it does well. How about you, Carla? Well, besides the fact that NCIS LA is my favorite NCIS, and I actually stopped watching the original one this season, I unfortunately have to disagree with everything that Megan just said. I did not like the red team at all in this first episode. Um, I and I'm going to withhold total judgment or final judgment for what the potential series could be until after the second part of the two-parter. Um, I think that the fact that the two parts were aired um, weeks apart was a disservice to um, the potential pilot because this episode that aired this week, um, it was slow. It dragged um, the scene, for instance, with um, Sam and Callan and then ending up Granger all sharing a bunk dragged on way too long. The kitchen scene between Paris and Callan just seemed like it was never ending. We didn't really get to learn about any of the characters on the team other than Paris. And then when the John Corbett character of Roy showed up, um, you know, there was um, this immediate tension between the two. But yet, what Baxter we've got from them so far was probably one of the most unoriginal kind of conflicts between partners um, that, you know, is out there. You know, they were partners. He got shot. She disappointed him. Okay, great. Um, You know, to me, that was just, we've seen that done so many times. Now, like I said, I'm withholding final judgment because there could actually, you know, be a lot more to it. But I think the way that this new potential series was rolled out, did it just service to the show um because really i mean besides what the new characters do job wise i don't really know anything about them there's nothing that makes me want to watch them more with the exception that i do like the premise um of a group of nci agents that live together work together that are mobile but i felt that way before i watched the episode and I feel a little bit less excited about the premise now. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the second part. Maybe, you know, NCIS LA, part of the reason I really like it more than NCIS the original is that the original is very investigation based, where NCIS LA is much more action based. There's a lot more guns being shot, fired. Um, there's more risk and threat. It's not about investigating someone's death. It's usually tracking down um, terrorists of some sort, which to me is a more thrilling um, show and episode. So it'll be interesting then to see now this third show, The Red Team, will it be more investigative of something that already happened or investigating to prevent something else from happening? And if it's the later, the latter, then I think um, it could be good. It's just all going to come down to the characters. I mean, 
that's what makes NCIS and NCIS LA, I think, a big hit with people is that people are drawn to the relationships between the characters on the team. And, you know, so far in the red team, we haven't really been able to see that. So um, it'll also be interesting. USA has a new show coming out this summer called Graceland. And it also has that concept of um, law enforcement officers living and working together. So that'll be coming out first. So it'll be kind of interesting, though they do have a home base versus kind of traveling around. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that those two um, concepts kind of contrast or compare as well. I don't know. So far, I'm I'm not sure. I would if I had to say today whether I would watch it and add it to my you know DVR list. I would say no, but we'll see going forward. Yeah, I'm kind of in the in the same spot that the idea of it, you know, a mobile team, you know, they could go around the world, uh, basically. And there could be all different types of investigations, you know, some probably leaning more towards, uh, a mobile version of what they do in NCIS LA more than, uh, more murder based or whatever type or crime based, uh, investigations, uh, where, they're usually looking, you know, on NCIS, more times than not, they're usually looking for, you know, who did it, not who did it to be able to stop, you know, they do that sometimes, but not as often as they do on NCIS LA, you know, to stop a bigger attack or something like that. Uh, you know, they may still be investigating a death, but it's, you know, it's leading to something bigger a lot more, a lot more often. Uh, it looks like the, you know, the red team spinoff would be you know, that, but not LA based, you know, you could move it all over, but I have to totally agree that the first episode just drug along. Like it was, it was the weirdest paced NCIS LA episode. Uh, it, it, you know, it did have a little action here and there, but for the most part, you were just like, it did seem really slow. And I didn't realize, I mean, I, I knew it was coming. I didn't really pay enough attention that I didn't even know that it was a two parter until about halfway through the episode when I realized that this was not going to, you know, <laughs> that they were not going to complete anything by the end of the episode. Uh, so it must be longer. And I think you're, uh, you're right too, or the, the idea that it should have, they should have played it. I mean, they're playing episodes of golden boy and, and stuff. They, they could have taken a week off and played this out as, as the two hour thing. So you got it all at one time especially with the first hour dragging like it did. You got to figure that the second part of the episode has more action as they've got more information of what they're doing and and what and you know the guy that they're after. It just uh and that they're going to introduce you to, you know, the actual character you know that would be part of the uh the spin-off team. Yeah, I mean I do agree that that was a mistake on their part that they should have done them like aired them together and it probably usually what what seems to have worked before is when they did crossover episodes on CBS's like if an like NCIS or Hawaii Five O when they crossed over the episodes aired the same week so that the storyline kind of wrapped itself up. The problem is with this is if if they had like pushed back Golden Boy, which I don't even know if anybody's watching that. If they had pushed that back, they would have been able to probably get a little bit more 
like for the team because I have a feeling that the second half is going to have more of the action and we're going to get to know the team more. They should have spaced that out better over the episodes. I do agree with that completely. But, I mean, I'm still hopeful and I still am excited to see it because I am such a fan of NCIS, but if they had put them together, it definitely would have had a bigger hit with more people. You know, I have a question too, is one thing, and you know, maybe I turned away at the wrong time, but one irritate I also had out the episode was, so this guy Spears, um, he took over a TCA, uh, a TSA, sorry, um, TSA agent's badge, whatever. He gets into the airport and then he just disappears. It's like, it's a closed contained facility how does he just vanish you know it's kind of like that to me and it's not like he could have just gotten in a plane and taken off in that amount of time so that to me also kind of set me off on like this is really contrived and just kind of rubbed me the wrong way but the the two um the two gunfights were pretty good i loved seeing sam shoot out the sunroof and then kind of jump through and start firing at the snowplow that was kind of fun yeah well i think they're playing off of that this guy is so well trained that you know he was able to get out and away out of the out of the snowplow without them getting him he's gotten the drop on a couple different people uh in you know of the the murders that they were investigating uh and gotten away and but yet it is sort of weird that all of a sudden he's just gone from an you know from an airport because they get around and they don't see him and you're just like it seems like yeah you would be you know shutting the place down and and because he couldn't have gotten like by the that time he couldn't have necessarily been he would have been out of sight but he couldn't he might not have necessarily been like off the the premises yet exactly so it is sort of uh they almost feel it did sort of feel like they gave up too early uh, but, you know, they, they needed somebody to chase in the second half of the episode. <laughs> but it definitely seems like, especially the way the that first part paced out, that I'm sure NCIS fans, you know, NCIS LA fans will watch next week because they were going to watch next week anyways. But if there was anybody new that tuned in to see what a possible new team was, there wasn't anything there that would be like, oh, I got to see what happens next week. It's funny that you mentioned like the first 30 minutes because I was kind of live tweeting and watching it and and about about like 25 30 minutes into the episode I was like seriously what the heck where is this going and that's when I went and looked and I saw that it was a two-parter so the same thing I didn't realize ahead of time that was a two-parter and maybe if I would have um I wouldn't have noticed it dragging as much much i still think i would have but at least i would have had the expectation that it was you know two hours instead of one but it was that first half hour i you know i should go back and look at the ratings numbers i wouldn't be surprised if people <laughs> dropped off you know if people tuned out you know after that first half hour well i i have to say it didn't help that i was i was watching it you know away from home in a hotel room with commercials. So that only that only could have made it worse in making it feel like it was dragging along. Oh, I always watch the commercials, so that's nothing new for me. No, commercials make everything worse. I'm so. an advertiser's dream. <laughs> <laughs> I watch the commercials when I'm when I watch something on DVR, I still watch the commercials. So. When my DVR was broken and I had to watch the commercials like like actually watch TV live, I felt like I was 
transported back to the 90s. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm watching commercials. That's been the first time I've watched a full stream of commercials. What is happening? Usually, I, I, if I am going to watch live TV, it's because it's something I wouldn't usually DVR. And I use those commercial breaks usually to run and check on kids or go pee or do something like that. But when you're actually watching a show that you love and you watch the commercials, yes, it does make it feel a lot longer. For, especially for this episode. Yeah, for a poorly paced episode to begin with. <laughs> All right, I think that's enough about uh, the, the new red team of <laughs> NCIS uh, Los Angeles uh, or the new possible NCIS uh, spinoff. Although the one other thing about that, that like I said, the idea that it could go three hours long of NCIS's is, is sort of an interesting thing because when like CSI did their spinoffs, they used the the spinoffs to like either anchor another night or uh, you know spread things out, and so far they haven't done that with the you know they didn't have NCIS come out and then NCIS LA and it do well and then go okay we're gonna move that you know, to nine o'clock on, uh, another night to, you know, build, build around or something. And so it almost seems like the red team, it, it almost seems like if it doesn't show up at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night, that it, it could be, there could be a huge problem. If I had to guess, I would think that, um, the scheduling gods at CVS would leave the original NCIS at, um, well, seven o'clock central time, eight o'clock Eastern time. So it would lead off on Tuesday night. They're not going to move that show. I mean, it's their top rated show. And then Red would actually air after NCIS, the original, and that they would move NCIS LA, um, to anchor another night. I'm not sure what night, cause that, you know, depending on what they have going on on but um or if not to anchor they would move it to replace um the csi that it, it you know like use it as one of the csis that they've now canceled but i think they'll move ncisla somewhere else it's possible it'd be interesting to see if they actually uh spin off to see what they do with it and uh, we'll close out prime time with a little talk about uh, arrow uh, which just aired season one, episode seventeen, "The Huntress Returns." And uh, since Megan doesn't watch Arrow, what do you think, Carla? Um, I like the episode. I, you know, I have mixed feelings about Helena um, and the Huntress. I, I, um, I don't really like that character. So hopefully, she'll be gone for a while. Um, and. The episode was good. I was kind of sad to see that, you know, at the end, Oliver and McKenna broke up. But at the same time, it was kind of inevitable that they would. Um, at the same time, the way that it happened, you know, what Oliver's doing and by being Arrow is putting the people around him and other people at risk. And, you know, it, a lot of shows kind of try to shy away from showing any kind of ramifications um, of that sort. But I like that and appreciate that Arrow really shows that there's a cost to what he's doing, whether it's somebody dying or, um, you know, McKenna now getting shot and being off the force um, with, um, um, oh, what was I going to say? Sorry lost my train of thought there um but 
um, with Felicity getting taken, that's what it was, that with Felicity getting kind of taken and tied up, at least Felicity didn't get hurt. Um, but, you know, the possibility was there. So it's interesting to me that, you know, what Oliver's doing has consequences. And, uh, you know, his relationship now with Tommy, at least they've kind of, they haven't patched it up, but they've come to some kind of understanding that they can now hopefully move forward from there. Um, but I like the episode overall. Um, I'm not really, the whole um, sister being alive thing is probably the only storyline so far that I haven't really been a fan of. But, you know, kind of see where it goes. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to, to see what they what they do with that. Um, I do like that they show that there is consequences to his decisions and that, and, and that they're not always positive. <laughs> uh, you know, that like Felicity was, you know, did get, she wasn't hurt, hurt, but, you know, she was in, in danger by being associated with them. Well, in Tommy's hands. And, you know, Tommy gets hurt. Right about uh, that. But yet, him and then him keeping the secret, you know, puts a little bit of strain between him and Laurel, where things were going really well for them. Uh, but he, but he, Oliver and Tommy really do need to have a sit down uh, uh, talk because because Tommy's still in the spot where he's like, I'm not going to say anything because you know he's my childhood, you know, best friend. We've had each other's backs forever, but. He also isn't in a spot really right now that he seems to want to know what his reasoning could possibly be. But it seems that that information needs to be imparted. So at least he'll be maybe a little less conflicted about continuing to keep this story, you know, keep Oliver's secret. And uh, but overall, I think they're they're doing pretty good. Uh, I, there is always that danger when you have that recurring character. Uh, that you want to keep around, but yet is now gone to a spot where she it would is should now basically be an enemy. Uh, you know where he was torn at the beginning of the episode. There should be, but yet, how do they keep a character like the Huntress around? You know, <laughs> continually. Uh, that's where it sort of comes, where it's sort of come in with the uh, the little bit more where you have the recurring sort of bad guys that uh, the things that have to that keep cropping up that you don't always necessarily take care of or are able to take care of. But what do you think about the uh the storyline that they have with uh, his sister and and the guy from uh, Teen Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> Roy Harper. I I really am glad, first of all, that Colton Haynes but um, joined Arrow. You know, I was really disappointed when he didn't, um, when they couldn't come to contract agreements for him to be back on Teen Wolf. But in a way, you know, I'm glad that that didn't um, cause him to have any kind of career problems. Um, him being on Arrow seems to be a really good fit. And, you know, he's been made a series regular for season two, so he's not going anywhere. Um, the dynamic between him and Thea um, is interesting. I mean, she's drawn to him in kind of an inexplicable way. You like, you don't really understand why she's drawn to him, but there's just some sort of connection that she feels. Um, and maybe it's just a matter of you know, re- 
you know, he's a bad boy and she's drawn to his bad boy side. But when he saved her and we got to see his moves, I was really excited because I was like, okay, here's somebody that already, you know, they call Thea speedy, but, you know, Roy Harper is speedy, I guess, in the comics. I don't read them. But um, here's somebody that already has some skills. You know, I mean, he just wiped those two guys out with his fancy dancy moves. Um, So that really makes me excited to see that maybe he will be able to be um, kind of a sidekick to Arrow in a quick amount of time versus something that will be really drawn out and have to develop over time. So um, I really like the two of them together. And I'm really looking forward to when Roy Harper meets Oliver Queen. Um, unless he meets Arrow first, which might actually be a better meeting, but I love his addition to the show. Yeah, I think you can't it's, tell by my enthusiasm. Yeah, I think it's uh, actually worked out pretty good, and they're kind of slowly bringing him in. Uh, I think she's sort of drawn to him in that they both almost have sort of uh, these preconceived notions about the other person. And yes, she's you know she's grown up rich, but she's had things happen to her that she would say you know. That just because you're rich, it, you know, not, life isn't everything it's all cracked up to be. Uh, and so I think that she's kind of drawn to him in an, a way that she sort of wants to prove him wrong of what she, you know, he thinks about her. Uh, and then, you know, there's the, the bad boy uh, nature of things. But I think that's an, an interesting story. And I like the way that they're sort of slowly, you know, working things uh, together. Uh, you know, to to bring in another character like that. Yeah. But the thing I'm really liking on the show is the flashbacks to the island of uh, continuing to fill out that storyline. Because, you know, when he, in the very first episode, he comes back with all these abilities and stuff like that. And you're like, how did he end up with all these abilities? And then you see that he met somebody there. And then you see that there's a whole bunch of people on that island that he was on. And they've been able to maintain and continue to expand out the island storyline to make it very interesting to watch on its own. Yeah, I agree. I I didn't initially really care for the flashbacks a lot. I mean, it's not that I didn't like them, but I preferred the current day um, stuff. Um, and with, a, with the exception of one episode, there's one episode where the flashback to me really didn't um, provide any um, quality information. It was kind of like, what was the point? Um, but that was only one episode. The rest of them really have helped us better understand who Oliver is, how he got where he is, and then also um, kind of this world that's out there with um, these mercenary-type people that kind of really does complement what's going on in Starling City and provides a nice basis of characters that can be drawn from going forward. So, um, and the um, the actor that plays Slade on the island um, also um, potentially Deathshot, he also got a full season pickup. Uh, I'm um, sorry, a, um, let's see, he's going to be a series regular for season two. So um, they're really rounding out the cast, I think, really well going into season two. That makes me even more excited for the show. Yeah, I'm re- I'm really liking it. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's I've liked it since the beginning and it's been able to maintain that and even grow from there because uh, there was I think there was some questions about, you know, the island stuff 
but they slowly unraveled it in a way that made it interesting because you'd be just like, oh, okay. And then they would end with something. You're like, oh, wait a second. There's somebody else on the island. And then, wait, there's more than just somebody else on the island. There's, And they keep it ex- expanding that out. And that's made it more interesting. I, I tend to like these type of uh, storytelling things that way too, where they, they kind of tie in some of the backstory into the story that they're, uh, that they're telling now so that you continue to get to see, you know, where he came from and how he became the guy that he is now from, you know, sort of the playboy rich kid that was, you know, on the boat. Right. Like for instance, when he fixed the radio, I mean, it was such a, weird thing. It was probably like one of the first real accomplishments that Oliver Queen ever had in his entire life that made any difference in the world. And, you know, to see the excitement that he had in that single moment and then now you can see how um, in this last episode when he thought to take the, um, the chip out of the weapon and use that as a negotiate Again, it it just shows that was another step and move forward for him to become kind of the smart um, Oliver Queen that we know now. The intelligent, the manipulative, the, you know, versus kind of, like you said, the playboy that he originally was. All right. And that'll uh, close out uh, the primetime segment. And uh, lastly, we've got a, a couple of uh, TV on DVD picks uh, for Tuesday, March 26th. Uh, mine is uh, Continuum, uh, season one, uh, which I really, really liked. A, a Canadian series that uh, Sci-Fi picked up and played here over the last ten weeks, and uh, time travel can be tricky. And I think they did a pretty good job of playing around with that uh, idea, and then the and then the characters uh, that they have, and the the, the sort of story that they built around. Uh, this and in this case, you have a similar storytelling style to like Arrow, except you have flash forwards where <laughs> you're seeing what your the main story is taking place in the past from where, and you're seeing what life used to be like for her uh, in the future uh, that they were sent back from, and so it's it's it was been very interesting. Had an interesting ending to the first season, and uh, definitely worth uh, checking out if you didn't watch. I have all the episodes on my DVR still, and I will be catching up. Definitely worth watching. How about your pick, Megan? I'm going to go with the second season of The Borgias because, well, first of all, I haven't seen any of the second season yet. Um, The Canadian airing is always completely messed up, but (laughs) I, uh, I really like the show. It's one of those shows that has a whole lot of faux pas. It's... It's fun to watch. I like some of the history in it, but I honestly, it's one of those shows that's just fun to kick back on a maybe a Saturday night when there's nothing on and just burn through. So I'm excited for that DVD release for sure. And uh, one other DVD to mention is uh, if Amory were on uh, the podcast this week, I'm sure that she would be telling you to to get Veep season one, uh, which is uh, really good and worth uh, checking out as well. And uh, with that, uh, that'll uh, close out this episode. Thank you, Carla and Megan, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. And uh, next week, 
Amory and Ray will both be uh, back with me uh, next week on the next episode. And with that, uh, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And uh, thanks again. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do. And watch TV and have a couple of...